the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Candidate winning Mexico's presidential WTBN Pinellas Park. Listen very closely. This Hebrew word for joined or, or cleave, as the King James puts it, it means to stick. It means to cling in the sense of commitment that is permanent. It's enduring. It doesn't end, not in this lifetime. To be joined to your marriage partner speaks of loyalty and faithfulness and devotion. All of these concepts are are bound up in this word. Listen, this is the very Hebrew word that Scripture uses to refer to God's people being loyal and committed to Him. One of my co-workers years ago was a really fun guy, but totally irresponsible. He had already been divorced twice, and one day he introduced me and the others in the shop to the woman he called his future ex. And you know what? He was right. And if we look at the marriage commitment from the perspective of the unsaved world, it does look grim. It looks like drudgery, daily suffering and self-denial. Marriage is often called social suicide as shorthand for the surrender of all the fun stuff you used to do with your friends so that you can stay home and be bored with your spouse. Wow that is not how it's supposed to work. God designed the marriage relationship to be the greatest human relationship there is. So today on Verse by Verse, we'll be continuing our series of lessons about the biblical marriage. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our study leader. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In Genesis 2, verse 23, Adam wakes up after God took one of his ribs and made for him the companion he'd been looking for. Apparently, Adam was thoroughly impressed. He even made a little poem. He said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The account goes on to say that husband and wife became one flesh. But what does it mean to be one flesh? And what's so good about it? Let's find out. Here's Pastor Steve. So, why? Why did God create Eve this way? Why didn't he just create her at the same time that he created Adam. Why did he take Isha from Ish, Eve from Adam, and and make them one? Why go to all that trouble to perform surgery on Adam? Well, the Lord tells us why he did it this way in the very next verse. And in doing so, it's here that he explains the second great purpose for marriage. Pay close attention. Verse 24, that verse that we mentioned earlier that Jesus spoke of in the New Testament. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, as we said earlier, this is God's editorial comment on his purpose for creating the institution of marriage. And it's an important editorial statement because in this one verse we are told that God created marriage watch this in order to form a unique relationship between a man and a woman 
that was to, note this, supersede and surpass all other human relationships in importance. In other words, the marriage relationship of a man and a woman who have become one is to be the priority relationship of humans in life. There should be no other relationship between humans that is to be more important than that of a husband and wife to each other. Now, notice how God explains this. He says that in light of Adam and Eve being one flesh and therefore all husbands and wives being one flesh too, and they are one flesh not because of divine surgery physically, but when the minister says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, God in your souls does do this surgery, and you become fused together. You do become one. So he says that in light of Adam and Eve becoming one flesh, and therefore all husbands and wives being one flesh too, a man, because of this, is to leave his parents. And the implication is a woman too. He says, for this reason, meaning for the reason that once a man marries a woman, he is one with her, he shall leave mom and dad. Now, this statement tends to not shock us like it should. It did shock people in the ancient world, in biblical times, but it doesn't shock us like it it should. And I'll tell you why. There are two reasons. Number one, because we are so familiar with these verses, these words, that most of us don't even think about them. And we we don't, they don't really get what they mean or even imply. We're just so familiar, we we don't give them a second thought. But secondly, we live in a culture where relationships with parents are not as important as they once were, and certainly not as important as they were in ancient cultures. Here's the way Timothy Keller, in his book on marriage, explains the importance that ancient cultures placed upon the parent-child relationship. He writes, ancient cultures put enormous emphasis on the parent-child relationship. Pleasing your parents, being faithful to the wishes of your parents was all important. In most traditional cultures, even today, parents and grandparents are given great authority and children are expected to heed their parents' wishes above all other requests. And there is a certain warrant for this kind of respect. But uh, he says, by the time you are a young adult, you should be willing to admit that the single relationship that has most shaped who you are for good and ill is your relationship to your parents. You wouldn't be alive without them. And all but a few parents have made enormous sacrifices for the well-being of their children, end of quote. And yet, folks, in light of this high regard that children are to have for their parents and the close relationship they have had with their parents growing up, God says that when you get married, your relationship with your spouse must supersede all other relationships, including parents. Now, this doesn't mean that you're no longer close to your parents. You should be close to them. Nor does it mean that you have to physically leave them by by geographically moving away. In fact, in biblical times, a young couple often lived with their parents. So it can't mean that. No, the leaving that God is talking about is not physical. It's not geographical, but it involves changing your perspective. It involves changing your relationship with your parents. When you get married, that relationship you once had with your mom and dad is to change because no longer should your parents be the most important people in your life. Now your spouse must be. See, what God is saying here is that your relationship with your spouse is to be the most important relationship you have with anyone else on earth. More important than your relationship, not only with your parents, but listen, 
with your job and the people you work with every day, with your friends, your ministry, your hobbies, and dare I say, more important than a relationship with your children and grandchildren. Listen, don't make the mistake of building your world around your children and making them your priority relationship in life. You are to love them. You are to care for them. You are to train them to follow Christ, but make sure that you don't center everything around them to the neglect of your relationship with your husband or wife. That's just wrong. It violates God's word. There is to be nothing more important to you than your marriage and your relationship with your spouse. No one else on earth should get more of your love, more of your attention, more of your affection and commitment than your spouse. Listen, their opinions and their approval should be more important to you than anyone else's, including your parents. And I would say especially your parents. But sadly, that is often not the case. Often not the case. And I understand these messages are painful if things are not in order. But you still need to hear the word of God so you get things in order. In one of his books, one of the books that I've been reading on marriage, the author presents this all too common scenario. He writes, when I was a young pastor in a small southern town, I did a lot of marriage counseling. Some marriages were harmed by things like drink, drugs, pornography, or an extramarital affair. But in most of the troubled marriages I saw, the problem stemmed not from bad things, but from very good things that had become too important. When some good thing becomes more engrossing and important than your spouse, it can destroy the marriage. He writes, there are many varieties. Sometimes I heard a wife say, his parents' opinions are more important to him than mine. Pleasing them is more important to him than pleasing me. Or I would hear a husband say, she's totally wrapped up in the kids, in their needs, programs, school, social life. If I need something, she shrugs and says, okay, but it's the kids and their needs that really excite her. Being a mother is much more enjoyable to her than being a wife. And then the author says, if your spouse does not feel that you are putting him or her first, then by definition, you are not. And when that happens, he says, your marriage is dying. Now, if this describes your marriage, then you have to repent. You have to change your mind and forsake your sin. You have to go to your spouse and ask them forgiveness and then start making your relationship with your spouse your highest priority. If you don't do this, you are in sin and continuing in sin. But why is this the case? Why is this so important? Why should your relationship with your spouse be the most important relationship of all? Well, once again, look at verse 24. The answer is here. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's because when you get married, you enter into a relationship with your marriage partner that is different, different than any other relationship you have with anyone else on earth. You have become one flesh with your spouse. God does that. And just as Adam said of Eve that she was bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh, that's what your spouse is to you. And that is precisely why God describes your marriage here as being joined to your spouse. 
Listen very closely. This Hebrew word for joined or, or cleave as the King James puts it, it means to stick. It means to cling in the sense of commitment that is permanent. It's enduring. It doesn't end. Not in this lifetime. To be joined to your marriage partner speaks of loyalty and faithfulness and devotion. All of these concepts are are bound up in this word. Listen, this is the very Hebrew word that scripture uses to refer to God's people being loyal and committed to him. Let me show you this. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Notice verses 19 and 20. God says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. He's saying, choose to live by obeying me. Now listen, he says, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, and here's this Hebrew word, and by holding fast to him. That's the word cleave. That's the word join. Holding fast Loyalty, commitment, same word is used in Psalm 63, verse 8, when the psalmist says, my soul clings to you. That's that word. I I cling to you. I hold fast to you. I'm loyal to you. This is the very word that Ruth used to describe her loyalty and undying devotion to her mother-in-law, Naomi. We read in Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, Ruth clung to her. That's that Hebrew word, to hold fast, to be joined. She clung to her and replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. This is loyalty. This is commitment. Listen, when you get married, you are making a commitment to your spouse. You are promising to them a vow. You're making a promise, a vow that you are going to be devoted to them and you are going to make your relationship with them the highest priority on earth. Now, we understand the Lord is always first. We're talking about relationships with other humans. And why? Because your spouse is one flesh with you. Nobody else is one flesh with you. You are to be closer to him, closer to her than to anyone else because you are absolutely one with them. This is precisely why the Apostle Paul tells husbands in Ephesians 5, he says, husbands, love your wives as your own body. Why? Because when you get married, God joins your wife to you. That's precisely Paul's point. He's basing that on Genesis 2. Your wife was joined to you when the minister said, I pronounce you husband and wife. She became your body. Now, did you get that? That's profoundly important. Your spouse, listen, your spouse isn't like your body. She is your body. He is your body. And that's why men are to have this commitment, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, to love and care for their wives as they love and care for their own bodies because your wife is your body and everyone knows that we take care of our own bodies. That's his point. No one would deny that. But understand the bigger picture, your wife is your body. So the same care and attention you give to yourself, give to her. Because she's not like your body, she is your body. That's why divorce is such a hideous thing. It's such an unnatural thing because it is the unnatural man-made separating of what God has joined together. 
This is precisely what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 19. Remember, Matthew 19, the Pharisees came to him asking him about the grounds for, for divorce. They were trying to trap him. He wouldn't let them trap him. Let me read it to you again, verse, starting at verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And notice he didn't fall for their trap. He answered and said, have you not read, meaning haven't you read in Genesis 2, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Haven't you read that? They're one flesh. Why would you talk about divorce? They're one flesh. He goes on to say in verse 6, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. A little bit later, down in verse 9, he says that sexual unfaithfulness does constitute grounds for divorce. He says in verse 9, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So the Lord proceeds down in verse 9 to say that sexual unfaithfulness constitute grounds for divorce. Because why? Because what God has joined together, man in his sexual sin has pulled apart. But that's not the way God designed marriage to function. Now listen closely. We'll take it a step further. When a husband and wife are sexually intimate with each other, they are physically portraying the unique oneness that God says is already true of them. And that's why when you go back to Genesis 2, we see that God finishes his command about a man being joined to his wife with a couple of unashamed, unembarrassed statements about their physical intimacy. Notice the end of verse 24. This is speaking about physical union. The end of verse 24 and verse 25. And they shall become one flesh. Why? Because they're already one flesh. They're now physically acting out the way God says they really are. And they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's why, that's why God mentions their nakedness. He's speaking about their sexuality, their intimacy. Ladies and gentlemen, according to Scripture, physical intimacy is really an expression of relational intimacy that ought to already exist between a husband and wife outside of the bedroom. You can have that kind of relational intimacy. You should have that kind of relational intimacy by making sure that you are following God's design for marriage. That's how you get that relational intimacy. Make sure that you are putting some effort into your relationship with your spouse by being their best friend, by helping your spouse and by receiving their help and by making sure that you are more devoted to your husband or wife than to anyone else on earth. These are the blueprints for a great marriage. So make sure that you follow them. Once again, I, I urge you, as I've been doing all along in this series, to sit down today, not tomorrow, today while it's fresh in your mind, sit down and talk with your spouse eye to eye, full attention about these truths. Make any changes that you need to make in order to get back to the way that God created marriage to function. And above all, Make sure that you really know Christ as your Lord and Savior because, listen, without him, you don't have the power to be the kind of husband or the kind of wife that you should be. In fact, without him, this stuff sounds like nonsense. 
You're not interested in this without Christ, and you don't have the power to fulfill this without Christ. More importantly, without Christ, you can't go to heaven. Why? Because the Bible says that God is holy. God is just. Because of his holiness and justice, he must punish sin. We're sinners. But God in his grace provided a way whereby his son would be punished in the place of sinners. That's what the cross is all about. God the Son died on the cross as God the Father poured out his wrath that we deserved. He poured it out on his Son. Not simply physical death, but this was an eternal death. That's why Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken for us. He poured out his wrath, judgment, hell itself, on his Son. When God opens your eyes to understand that, he's the one who must open your eyes. When God opens your eyes and your hearts to that, you'll repent of your sin. You'll turn from your sin. You'll forsake your sin. What is the essence of sin? It's it's you being the center of your universe. That's what sin really is. You being the center of your universe. All about you. Life revolves around you. When you turn from your sin of being independent and, and so important, When you turn from that and you turn to Christ with an attitude of trusting in his death alone for your salvation, with a heart that says, I am in submission to you, Lord. Not that I simply pray a prayer and think I'm saved, but I am in submission to you. I want to follow you as I trust you to be my savior. The Bible says he makes you a new creature in Christ. You're changed from the inside out. You're transformed. You'll have desires to be a great husband. You'll have desires to be a great wife. And you'll do what scripture says. You'll know Christ. You'll grow in him. And when you die, he'll take you to heaven because you have no sin on your record. He forgives you of your sin and he gives you his righteousness. Legal righteousness is put on your account. Folks, that's the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Painful to some, I understand. But I pray, Lord, that in their pain, they'll do something about it. That you'll bring about repentance, real change. Couples will strengthen their marriage, that some perhaps who are no longer married to their spouse and can would get back with them. Lord, I pray for those who are single, who are hoping to be married someday, that they'll learn from this as well. I pray for all to come in conformity to your word. I pray if there be any here, Lord, who don't know you, that you'll open their hearts to the gospel and that you'll bring them, draw them to Christ. You said no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws them. So we ask you to do that, Lord. We pray that every married couple will go home today and talk about these things and honestly evaluate their marriage in light of Scripture and do what's right. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is nothing better than a good marriage relationship. And as Pastor Steve said, if we work on being our spouse's best friend, that starts us on the path to a relational intimacy that is at the core of a wondrous thing. It's a picture of the relationship between Jesus and the believer, and that picture is like a small foretaste of heaven and is what makes divorce something that should be completely unthinkable for us as a Christ follower. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope you'll do that today. 
Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside. For information about Lakeside or to talk to someone about salvation, call the office at 727-441-1714. If you call outside of regular business hours, just leave a message with the daytime phone number and we'll return your call. Also, if you'd like to have a CD copy of the sermon Pastor Steve just finished, call Lakeside at that same number, 727-441-1714. Ask for message 8872, God's Original Design for Marriage, Part 2. You can also stream or download today's broadcast or any previous program at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the message archive link and search for the date you'd like. These files are for you to enjoy at no charge. But if you would like to help Verse by Verse with the cost of airtime and production, there is a giving page where you can give securely and easily. We are honored by and thankful for the generous listeners who make it possible to keep these Bible studies on the air. Once again, that's versebyverseradio.org. Another website to mention is one that's of special interest for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, you can get a free Bible for your player by going online to blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. That's blindbibles.com or 800-838-5924. This is Jerry Peterson. Why are so many marriages so messed up? Pastor Steve will show us the answer from Scripture on the next Verse by Verse. I'll see you then. We're here to give you strength be- Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.